Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is football coming home? Well, we've got a few more rest days, haven't we, until we until we find out if we're one step nearer to knowing that. 55 years of hurt may be ending, but still, we've got rest days, and fear not, we are not resting. On the rest days, we are, of course, continuing to look by at tournaments in the past and today. It is a turn of Euro 2004 on this Euro Rewind. I am Jake from What If Football, and this is the Euro Daily Podcast episode 29. Available on all good podcasting platforms, be it Acast, Apple, Amazon, and Spotify, where if you're enjoying the show, please give us a lovely like, subscribe, five star review if you're feeling extra generous as well. It really helps us out there. Also, we are available throughout the Euro Daily podcast on Patreon, that is patreon.com forward slash what if football, where after the Euros, we will have seven days a week content for a small monthly contribution. Price of a price of a pint here in West Yorkshire, at least in my end of West Yorkshire anyway, that being £3 a month. Anyway, let's get stuck in to today's show and Euro 2004. Portugal beat out tough competition from the likes of Neighbours Spain in order to host their first tournament, of course, Euro 2004. Joining Portugal were France, who qualified with a pristine record, 100% ahead of Slovenia even after the debacle that was the 2002 World Cup. Czech Republic joined them as well, dropping just two points ahead of the Netherlands, who also qualified. Germany ahead of Scotland, England ahead of Turkey. These were all unbeaten teams in the qualification stage. Spain lost at home to Greece, as Greece shockingly qualified, automatically winning their first six games. Meanwhile, Spain had to do with the playoffs. Meanwhile, Wales looked as though they would be forcing Italy to the playoffs, but Italy overtook Wales, late on in the day, Wales entering into a playoff with Russia to see if they can make their first tournament since 1958. Bulgaria's penultimate win qualified them surprisingly enough, whilst Croatia's win over Bulgaria earned them a playoff ahead of Belgium, still waiting for another tournament. Denmark's point in Bosnia was enough for qualification, whilst Norway's win against Luxembourg earned them a playoff as well. Latvia surprisingly beat already qualified Sweden in Solna to pit Poland to the playoffs as well and they were on the cusp of reaching their first ever tournament but they had to face the mighty Turkey. Inches away from a automatic qualification ahead of England but it wasn't to be Turkey of course the semi-finalists from the 2002 World Cup they looked nailed on however Latvia scored two goals late on in the day to qualify on aggregate Latvia were going to their first ever 
international tournament. Scotland, it looked like they were going as well. They beat Netherlands in the first leg 1-0 in Glasgow, but were on the receiving end of a 6-0 hammering in Amsterdam. Meanwhile, Dado Perso's goal pipped Croatia ahead of Slovenia and Spain eased beyond Norway 5-1 on aggregate. Meanwhile, Wales held Russia in Moscow 0-0. The return leg was in Cardiff and, unfortunately, Wales lost 1-0 to Russia. Russia's Igor Titov was banned for a year for testing positive for a banned substance. Wales urged UEFA for a replay. They declined and Wales's wait continued and it would continue all the way until, well, a tournament that we'll cover in a couple of days' time. So the tournament opened up with one seemingly obvious result, Portugal versus Greece in Porto. Portugal were one of the dominating sides of the European stage. By this point, they were about to uh, ascend to that anyway. They had gone out of the 2002 World Cup at the group stages, but had a semi-final at the previous European Championships under their belt. Of course, as we know now, Greece stole the show, winning 2-1, and were on their way with probably one of the biggest European Championship shocks ever in only their second European Championship campaign, the first coming in 1980, where they could only get a draw against West Germany, a West Germany team who only needed a point to qualify, of course. So this was their only, their first European Championships win. Cristiano Ronaldo was the man who scored the 1-2-1 in here, his first goal in his Euros journey, which seemingly has ended earlier this uh, this year. But in the process, he has scored 14 European Championship goals, which is now a record ahead of Michel Platini, of course. This, the very first one on that journey. Spain attempted to reaffirm their Iberian dominance, beating Russia the following game. However, they too would struggle against Greece, failing, and they would gain a point. So Greece wait all this time for success, and a point against Spain is obviously a success for Greece. And now they needed just a point against Russia, but instead gave up top spot with a defeat, which um, had Russia the downfall from the dissolution of the Soviet Union days. They were here merely to make up their numbers, wearing the likes of... 1988 and of course the early years of the European Championships were a bit more prevalent then. Greece needed anything but a draw between Portugal and Spain to qualify and of course Nuno Gomez was there ready to continue his hot streak from 2000 scoring the winner against Spain. Greece avoided the golden generation from Group B meanwhile being handed France and that was because Group B began with an all-time classic didn't it? The golden generation were going again. Frank Lampard scored a header. David Beckham missed a penalty. Zinedine Zidane vomited on the turf whilst Fabian Barthez let other bodily fluids escape his system during the game. During the uh, during the tournament, Sven-Goran Eriksson plumped for a 4-4-2, of course, as we know. Gerard and Lampard had to occupy the same team, which left Paul Scholes in, a, in an uneasy left midfield role, which signalled the end of his international tournament by the end of by the end of this tournament and we should have really known what tactical disgraces were happening in this game, didn't we? So it entered 90 minutes. Zinedine Zidane superbly swept home a free kick to level the tie up. Zinedine Zidane would, as aforementioned, vomit on the turf, such was his nerves after uh, stepping up to the penalty and reclaimed three points for France when it looked as though they were starting the tournament with a loss. A damaging defeat for England, but the tournament would become known as Wayne Rooney's breakout. Two goals against Switzerland in a 3-0 win, where possibly it should have only been one, because the second of those 
bounced off the goalkeeper's head after hitting the post, but nonetheless, Rooney marched on two more in a 4-2 win over Croatia, which was a game which marked Paul Scholes' first international goal in three years, and thus sealing second place for England. Croatia got on the board with draws to Switzerland and France, but never truly looked at the races. Group C would go down in ultimately controversial circumstances, at least in some parts of Europe in the end, but it began beautifully. Henrik Larsson scored the pick of the bunch with that diving header in a 5-0 win over Bulgaria, like Robin Van Persie's against Spain on speed. And his, it was his first goal since returning to international football and his retirement forced a petition through which gained 110,000 signatures in Sweden and therefore Larsson was back at the races ahead of the championships in Portugal alongside, of course, Latan Ibrahimovic in his first European championships. Italy were unable to inflict the same sort of defeat on Denmark. The game finished level, as did Italy's contest with Sweden. Francesco Totti would be banned for spitting a move which, following a ban, dashed his move to Real Madrid from Roma. Another Sweden match, another terrific Sweden goal in that Italy contest. Latan Ibrahimovic scoring an absolutely sublimely agonising back heel where it looked for all the world that the defender on the line could clear it, but... It was so close, but Zlatan back heels it in Sweden, going to the last game with four points. Meanwhile, Italy was stuck on two. Denmark's win over Bulgaria confirmed Bulgaria's exit, but it also enlisted a permutations list as long as your arm for the final match day, especially considering that Italy confirmed a late win against Bulgaria through Antonio Cassano. Five points from three games, it should have been enough. However... There was something brewing in the other contest in Group C, wasn't there? Denmark versus Sweden. A score draw higher than 2-2 would be enough for both to go through on head-to-head goals scored alongside Italy. And wouldn't you know it, the scoreline was 2-2, confirmed with a late Matthias Jonsson equaliser. Italian fans, of course, cried conspiracy, as they did two years prior against South Korea in the World Cup, as they were out. It was more 1996 than 2000 in terms of them other groups but ultimately there was no conspiracy here really Denmark needed a win a lot more than Sweden so went for it more in the game and prevailed with a late equaliser although just reading the Wikipedia entry of it it was obviously going to look slightly shady but on the on the face of it through the highlights it was a full-blooded affair unlike say for example a West Germany versus Austria in 1982 or Group D, the final group like in 2000, threw up another group of deaf dark horses. Czech Republic, unlucky to go out four years prior, faced the Netherlands and Germany, two teams who had won previous European championships, four between them. The fourth team in the mix were, of course, the very, very unfancied Latvia, but it was Latvia who took Czech Republic to the brink. They led at half-time, in fact, but Golden Boot winning Milan Barros equalised with 17 minutes left on the clock, and Marek Hines, unfortunately for Latvia, for the neutral, rode home that advantage, scoring in 85th minute to ensure a 2-1 win for the Czechs. Meanwhile, Germany and the Netherlands shared the spoils in Porto, Rude van Nistelrooy scoring a similarly late equaliser at the death, and that's probably about as good as it would get for Germany, because the following match was the ignominy of a 0-0 draw with lowly, quote-unquote Latvia. Meanwhile, Czech Republic were leaving it late in the game 
of the tournament, really, in Avera. Netherlands took an early 2-0 lead through goals from Wilfred Boomer and Ruud van Nistelrooy. But however, this was a tournament of Milan Barros. He pulled it back. Jan Koller scored as well. It was a superb Czech team. And with two minutes left on the clock, Vladimir Smitsa jumped in on the third goal and Czech Republic had masterminded a superb comeback. Somehow, going into the final group stage, this left Germany in second place going into the final game. Netherlands on one point, Latvia on one point as well. Czech Republic secured that quarterfinal against Denmark as Denmark finished second in the uh, controversial Group C. Meanwhile, Germany were out to confirm a quarterfinal with Sweden. They led Czech Republic early on through Michael Balak as Ruud van Nistelrooy tucked two goals home against Latvia and regardless of what the Netherlands could do in Braga however the fate of the group was all down to what was going on in Lisbon could Czech Republic do the Dutch a favour Germany of course went out in the groups in 2000 obviously oscillating with the final in Japan and South Korea in the 2002 World Cup but ultimately it would be another group stage exit Marek Kynes equalised for Czech Republic dragging the Netherlands into the qualification spot whilst the drama was complete with Milan Barros' third goal in three games, killing Germany's time in Portugal. Meanwhile, Roy Mackay's goal got the third goal for the Dutch to confirm a quarter-final with Sweden. After this short break, we'll be checking out the knockout phase of the 2004 European Championships, but first, of course, a 2021 trivial teaser. Welcome back. So, well done to... The following people who guessed correctly yesterday, of course, the answer was Manuel Neuer, wasn't it? So well done to Jake, Dean, George, regulars, of course, and of course as well, Maracas Flute. Congratulations for the correct answer there. Today, I'm a central midfielder. I've been managed by Marcelo Bielsa and Paolo Souza, and some of my teammates have been Jos Holdfeldt, Enes Unal, Pablo Hernandez, Calvin Phillips and Jan Begnerek. I'm a central midfielder. I've been managed by Marcelo Bielsa and Paolo Souza. And some of my teammates have been Jos Hofelt, Enes Unal, Pablo Hernandez, Calvin Phillips and Jan Bednarek. If you think you know the answer, do what Jake Dean George and Marcus Flute did yesterday and tweet me at whatif underscore YouTube. And if you think you know the answer, just give us a little tweet and we will reveal the answer tomorrow in tomorrow's show, which will be another rewind, of course, back to the tournament, which England, of course, did not qualify for Euro 2008. But first, it is time for the knockout phase of Euro 2004. So how did the quarterfinals stack up? So the first quarterfinal, as we know now, etched in English golden generation law, went all the way and by far, inarguably, the best quarterfinal of the lot. Perhaps even the best Knockout stage match of the lot. It was Portugal, it was England, it was in Lisbon and exploded into life with Michael Owen's tricky opener, the the pirouette and the little lob over the onrushing Ricardo, one of the exquisite goals of Michael Owen's tournament uh, history for England, obviously not bettered by the Argentina goal in 1998, was it really? Wayne Rooney would unfortunately end his tournament in inauspicious circumstances, breaking his foot and held a postigo just when it looked as though England would hold on for the lovely little scrappy 1-0 win, the mark of champions, held a postigo headed in a late equaliser. And by this point, England were hanging on by a thread. Even further when Manuel Rui Costa rattled in 
a goal, thankfully, just after the silver goal. Period, but of course, we'll get onto that much later down the line. It's all Campbell in scenes again, like France 1998 in that knockout stage game against Argentina was denied another goal, another header from a set piece in another crucial tournament knockout phase game. But fortunately for England, Frank Lampard at another set piece swivelled, put the equaliser home just five minutes after Portugal had overturned that lead. But for England, it meant not salvation, but a penalty shootout, a method that had burned England in 1990 against West Germany, in 1996 against a unified Germany, and of course in 1998 against Argentina. David Beckham, who fluffed his lines on their opening match against France from the penalty spot, did so again, blazing the ball wildly over in a penalty spot that was more a mud bath than a penalty spot on a pristine football pitch. Thankfully for England, Rui Costa didn't do what he did in extra time and he missed his kick. And then you had John Terry, Cristiano Ronaldo, Owen Hargreaves, Manish, Ashley Cole, Helder Postiga, all scoring. That meant it was 5-5 after 6. And then was the turn of one Darius Vassell. His penalty, squirting off the bare hands of Ricardo, mind games from the goalkeeper. Issuing his gloves, saving the penalty with bare skin. And then himself dusting himself down, scoring a penalty himself, which meant that Portugal were through to the semi-final, first ever semi-final in 20 years, only a third ever semi-final for Portugal. A bigger shock was to come. My pre-tournaments to join England in the final were France. They had played Greece in Lisbon, which seemed like only had one winner. The holders were expected to thrash Greece. They hadn't done too well in the group, but topped it, and their tournament was to, was to get going, wasn't it? But unfortunately for them, coincided with with Greece, their tournament, reaching new heights. Angelos Karasteas' goal, a 1-0 win for Greece. They were to get through to a semi-final. Meanwhile, Sweden and the Netherlands went the distance in the Algarve too, with Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Olaf Melberg, the villains of the piece for Sweden from the penalty spot. Ian Robbins' penalty, the crucial kick as the Netherlands, replicated their run to the semi-final from 2000, not missing out on penalties as they did against Italy that time. The quarter-final was a little bit easier for their Group D pals, Czech Republic, who blitzed Denmark in the second half, 3-0. Jan Koller getting the ball rolling before two Milan Barros goals confirmed the golden boot. And with those golden, with those golden goals, he leapfrogged Wayne Rooney and... Rude Van Nistelrooy, Rude Van Nistelrooy, the only one who was capable of catching him here. Of course, we had the uh, the replay of that this time round, didn't we? Which went a distinctly different way with Denmark reaching the semi-finals in 2021. Rude Van Nistelrooy wouldn't score in the semi-final, nor would any other Dutch player. They would get on the score sheet, however. George Andrade put him for his own net. However, by the time that this went in, Cristiano Ronaldo added to his Euro tally. Manish added to his Euro tally as well. Portugal, the deserving winners in Lisbon, whilst in the other semi-final. I promised you chat about the silver goal rule. Well, Greece versus Czech Republic. Czech Republic had grown into the tournament and now they were probably potential tournament favourites behind Portugal, the favourites. Jan Koller, Milan Barros, Pavel Nedved, Vladimir Schmitzer, they were all converging for the same thing. Thomas Rosicki as well. The semi-final, though, was nervy. It was goalless for the 90 minutes, with extra time seemingly going the distance. So, 
The silver goal rule, well, it was implemented by UEFA in 2003 and this was the first game outside of a Champions League qualifier feature in Ajax that it settled. And the irony of it is that um, it came so late on in the day that the only truly important silver goal felt more like a golden goal. The silver goal was supposed to be a halfway house. It was designed to give a team a right of reply. Um, however, Trianus Delas's front post header for Greece on 105 minutes left Czech Republic with very little opportunity to equalise. The half-time whistle blew, which by proxy was also the full-time whistle. The silver goal rule was supposed to uh, give teams more of a, an attacking edge and not just sit out in blatant fear that if uh, one mistake or one bit of genius could uh, lead to the lead to the full-time whistle and the end of a tournament as we have as we had seen in 2000 with David Trezeguet as we had seen in 1996 with Oliver Bierhoff and a couple of times in the 2002 World Cup as well the silver goal rule meant that whoever led at half-time and extra time would win the game which is just purely nonsense isn't it so we started the tournament with Portugal and Greece we ended the tournament with Portugal and Greece. And again, it was Angelos Karasteas with the winning goal. All his goals coming within a 10-minute period, just slightly after the, the slightly after the half-time break in a uh, bizarre, bizarre trend there. Some may lament the Greek defensive displays. Some may deride their style of football. But Greece entered Portugal in early June as no hopers and left in July... As champions, Nikopolidis, Setaridis, Capsis, Delas, Fisas, Katsaranis, Zagarakis, Basinas, Karasteas, Stelios, Versas, the 11 who started the final. Of course, the 1-0 gained from a Karasteas header from a set-piece. Otto Rehagel, the only foreign manager to win a major tournament in uh, as a European team. Its first Greece match was a 5-1 loss to Finland in qualification for the previous World Cup. And here he was, his name etched immortal with a shocking 2004 European Championships win. Is Greece in 2004 the biggest shock in tournament history? Well, player by player, pound for pound for me at least, they're certainly the worst group of pe pe players on paper to win a European Championships. And for me... It probably is the biggest shock because they simply came out of nowhere. Denmark in 1992 obviously is um, the hallmark. But that Denmark team in 92, as I said on a previous rewind, it was full of talent. You know, John Jensen, you had Kim Vilfort, the two goal scorers in the final. He had the Laudrup twins, obviously one wasn't in, involved there, but Brian Laudrup was. Peter Schmeichel at the back, you know, Malton Olsen. Great players in their own right, of course, and this team didn't feature any of those. You had Theo Zagarakis, you had Katsaranis, Karasteas, Stelios, all players at middling, middling um, clubs in Europe. Karasteas would win the, the the double in Germany for Werder Bremen, but he was by no means a starter, and um, it wasn't a team that would strike fear into the hearts of any team really read on paper, but it was a team mentality. It was something that teams like Wales in 2016 cultivated more than the sum of their parts is what we'd say now. And in tournament football, it's not the performances that matter. It's, you know, the results. It doesn't, nobody cares about who, um, 
how well you win. Like Italy in the 2006 World Cup, I don't think they were anybody's favourites, really. They would have been forerunners, yes, of course. But they were no one's... They didn't perform too well. They got a draw against America, who went out of the group stages. And the scraped by Australia beat a hapless Ukraine. And that was to get to a semi-final. This was two years on from this tournament. So it... And they eventually would win out, of course, after a fantastic display in the semi-finals against Germany and the penalties in the final against France. Again, France, a team which hadn't performed well at all either. You can look to Italy in 1982, start horrifically slowly. And um, I'll read these results out for you. 1-0 versus Portugal, 1-0 versus Paraguay, 1-0 versus Germany, 1-0 versus Netherlands. That team 1-0 their way to a final and is called one of the best free-flowing attacking teams, most dominant team you've ever seen in international football. Meanwhile, Greece one nil to their way to the, the European Championship as well. The team that I was mentioning the results of there, those were the knockout stage results of Spain in 2010. Spain, seen as a, a breed of attacking talent, but in essence, their football was defensive. They never conceded a single goal in any of the in any of the knockout stage games in which they won a tournament in 2008, 2010, 2012, of course. It wasn't exciting football by any means, but these are knockout stage results of winners and Greece did exactly that. People have lamented their tactics, their lack of excitement, perhaps. But for me, it's it's definitely... The way to play tournament football, obviously we've seen that with England in this tournament, not conceding a goal as of yet. Obviously, if you listen to this late on after the Wednesday's game, they may have conceded a goal, may even be out of the tournament. And again, another shock that we also use as a European Championships hallmark is Portugal in 2016. And they famously only won one game in uh, 90 minutes in the championships and they didn't play fantastic football they drew three games three on paper very winnable games in the groups against Austria Hungary and and Iceland crept over the line against Croatia in the last 16 needed penalties against Poland um, extra time against France in the final of course their only win coming against Wales in the semi-final and that was probably significantly worse than (laughs) worse than Greece Portugal of course again they were I wouldn't say in 2016 they were among the forerunners. They're probably in that bracket of eight teams that could feasibly win a championship and it wouldn't be too shocking. But regardless, it was a shock when you consider who was awaiting them in the final, the hosts, France, who were supposed to easily win the tournament. And Greece's shock in 2004 is it's just about greater than West Germany in 1954, which for me is the biggest World Cup shock of all time, which sounds bizarre put into terms of 2021 or 21st century. But considering the team that they beat in the final in Switzerland, which was Hungary, who were the eminent team at that time, who were winning everything, who won the Olympic Games, who had the best players, had the best system, and who had just beaten England twice, putting 13 goals past them. That was the type of team. The team that beat West, West Germany earlier on in group stages at 8-3. Um, so that is the biggest shock in World Cup final history. I think Greece is here. Stacks up against that. Because again, West Germany in 1954 were amongst, like Portugal in 2016, were amongst the best teams in, in England. They'd never won a World Cup at that stage, of course, Germany, West Germany. 
and um, it could be considered it would be considered a shock easily considering Hungary were probably the best team in Europe at that time ahead of England ahead of France ahead of Austria whereas Greece here the you would put them in the lower bracket of teams with your Russias with your Latvias with uh, Switzerland at the time of course and easily for me the biggest shock in tournament history they've been to now a couple of tournaments after this off the back of this perhaps up until this point they'd not won a single game of tournament football went out of the groups in 1980s European Championship went out of the groups of 1994's World Cup it's essentially the equivalent of Scotland if Scotland would have won this European Championship although with um, a lot more tournament history than Greece we'll be back tomorrow with another Euro Rewind where of course we'll be not discussing England at all because they didn't make the 2008 European Championship did they Thank you for listening again and until tomorrow, see they up the three lines. Sports Social Podcast Network.